Hello everyone, Mike Hal here. This is a spoiler alert. The movie, Logan, is discussed, with spoilers, from time code 5545 to 5915. The following episode of TOFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. And this is like, uh, I, I feel like we're doing a news report for someone who's embedded like somewhere in, in the South Pole. Um, Will is wearing the thickest North Face jacket. <laughs> well, I don't just have a North Face jacket on underneath. I, and now I'm doing a bit of a strip show. This is like a Pass the Parcel well, like podcast. It. I like it. Slower. Slower. Yeah, it's slower. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is a new thing we do called uh, Pass the Podcast. And... Uh, <laughs> Every time the music stops, I um, take a layer of clothing off. But you'll notice I've actually got a hoodie on underneath my other hoodie because it's so freezing here in Melbourne today. So I'm uh, in my apartment. I was too, uh, to be fully, um, I guess, I don't know, just fully honest. I don't know why I need to be fully honest. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if anyone was like, could you please cut yeah. to the truth, Anderson? Yeah, well, you're not under subpoena, Will. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, I realized I was about to admit that I was like committing a crime. And I suddenly, my brain was like, maybe you shouldn't say this on the podcast. Anyway, <laughs> I was outside on the balcony in the wind having a, a smoke before the uh, the podcast, Charlie. Mm. And uh, so I had my jacket on. But then when I came back inside, I was still cold. So I, I kept it on. Okay. All so right. so All when right. you warm me up with the heat of podcasting during this podcast, <laughs> I will take off different layers. Fantastic to know that we spent the first two minutes talking about something that no one who listens will ever be able to see. But mate, they all have good imaginations. I imagine if they listen to this podcast, so just I, I, like if you can't imagine, you know what? You know what? I, I can describe it for people. Have you right. ever seen like a behind-the-scenes documentary and it's like a film crew and it's like Christopher Nolan and they're in some like they're in the Alps and he's wearing like a North Face jacket and he's got a headset on and he calls and cut. That's what you look like right now. You're about to call cut. Yeah, I look like I'm the assistant director on Game of Thrones. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you, you just need a clipboard. Yeah, exactly. I'm just running around going, we've got that shot. Uh, we'll put the dragon in there later. <laughs> All right, everybody in. All right, everybody take off your clothes. Yeah, I've got a lot of clipboards because there's like 1,800 <laughs> extras. Yeah. Um, you know what I feel like a bit is like in Australia this week, I don't know if you saw much of it from America, but uh, there's been massive cyclones, Cyclone Debbie off the mm. north coast of uh, uh, like up North Queensland way in Australia and it's been pretty full on. So there's been a lot of uh, your morning breakfast shows you know, all had their intrepid reporters, including a friend of the podcast, Charlie, our very own Sam Mack, who oh, found what himself... Oh, Sam doing? Was he bloody surfing a bloody sewage pipe or something? No, he found himself doing prop, one of those proper ones where he's in the middle of the cyclone. I was like, Sam... Oh, really? Sam, this isn't your jam. They signed you up to talk to wacky groups who are, you know, putting on their own you know, performance of the Rocky Horror Picture Show to raise money for the local community. That's your jam. You're meant to interview comedians on the street during the comedy festival. You're not meant to be standing in actual weather. You are not a qualified meteorologist, mate. 
Was that one of those uh, sideways umbrella kind of deals where as he's talking, the umbrella's being pulled off camera? I mean, it was one of those ones where like, when you watched it, he looked like he was somewhere reasonably safe, but it would not have surprised you if a cow had just flown through the background. <laughs> you just see Bill Pullman and Helen Hunt chasing after it in a four-wheel drive. Um, so yeah, that's been that's that's always you kind of they need to be there for the weather, don't they? That's one of those things still as human beings that when there's a massive weather event, even though it's in North Queensland, it's not affecting me in Melbourne or you in America, mm. but there is something about that sort of yeah major weather event that we still all gather around the televisions and we need to see our breakfast show host there in the middle of the cyclone. Yeah, yeah, because it well, I guess it's one of the few. You know what I think it is, Will? We all know we're going to die. <laughs> and this is like the closest to the apocalypse we're going to get. Like, By the way, some if stage... there's anyone listening to this podcast who didn't know we were going to die, that was a terrible way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of this podcast. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. But there is this sense that like, we forget sometimes. I think the ego of human beings is so great that we've somehow tricked ourselves into believing that we run the show, mm -hmm. that it's, yeah, this is our planet and we run how things go. And every now and then, like Mother Nature says, you know what? You are on a rock hurtling through space with no roof. <laughs> like anything could happen to you guys right now. So we all warm our hands around the fire of, oh God, this, is like, this, could, this could end at any second. What I'm hearing you suggest, Charlie, is we should build a roof. That's what you say, right? For the earth, yeah, yeah. earth roof. I mean, forget the wall, Donald Trump. Imagine if yeah. he came out and his new proposal was, okay, I've got a new plan. That we're going to build a... What we're going to do is we're going to build a roof around the yeah. entire earth and we are going to get the sun to pay for it. Yeah, there's been too many meteorites coming to the atmosphere illegally. We're going to build a roof. I'm so sick of this solar energy coming in here for free every day, taking yeah. jobs off oil and gas. Yeah. That's the Mr. Burns, isn't it? Yeah, block, the thing out, the block out the sun. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise you, would it? It wouldn't. I was just actually thinking that. It's like I, I was checking Twitter before we came on the show to see if there's anything to talk about. And it's like, I mean, our show used to sort of, we were, it was marked by an air of ridiculousness. You and I would come up with some strange hypothetical and we could riff on that for an hour. Now I feel like we're competing with real life. Right. <laughs> there's nothing that you and I could invent that is this fucking bizarre. I mean, it does make everything much harder because you're just like, hang on. Like, I don't think I can imagine something that I can't now imagine them doing. Yeah. Like, well, you know what's dead now? Political satire. Like, how do you satirize what's going on? You, I mean, we've talked about this before, but... You know, the South Park guys, you can tell in that last season, like probably the best satirist of, you know, the last fucking 50 years. And towards the end of that series, there's nothing that they could make fun of. Like, it, it's weird. It, it has, a, has a kind of negating effect on satire. Right. Imagine you're sitting in that office and you're like, oh, well, we'll just have our political you know, character tell everyone to go fuck themselves and constantly tell them, you know, that they're shit and go fuck themselves. And that'll be yeah. hilarious because that would never happen. And then you're just like, actually, someone telling, if he just told people to go fuck themselves, that would have been heaps less offensive than the things he actually did say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like in this world, like, I mean, I'm in the middle of obviously of the Melbourne Comedy Festival and, um, uh, you know, I, I live half of my year in America and half in Australia, and so oh. can I ask? Can I ask a question? Yeah. So, is there a show happening at the comedy festival that is purely about Trump? And I'm thinking maybe it's kind of a new comedy troupe or new comedian, and the whole thing is like maybe in the poster he's wearing the the funny like Trump kind of wig, and there's like an American eagle, or he's riding the eagle, or something like that. Is 
Is there any of those posters around this year? I mean, I haven't seen one yet, but I'm hoping there is one. Like an entire sketch comedy show that's all about Donald Trump. But it's like him sitting on the toilet and it's like Donald Dump. <laughs> like that, you know, <laughs> with a big like, but giving the thumbs up. But with really yeah, tiny yeah. hands. Tiny hands they've obviously photoshopped, for, but really badly for their poster. Maybe it's a, even too fish in, the barrel, fish in the barrel for even like an up-and-coming comedian. Maybe no one would do it because it's like, again, what are you going to make fun of? It's really interesting. The review of the gala that I hosted, which is on the ABC for free this Sunday night, 8.30, and on ABC iView, uh, people can watch the gala. But the gala that I hosted, um, there was a review of it in the Herald Sun the next day. And he commented on the fact that Donald Trump barely got mentioned for the entire night and he was really surprised by that. And I got to be honest with you, on the night, I didn't really notice because you, you, sometimes you don't notice what isn't there. Um, but no one really did. And I don't know if in the second show they really did either. So I think, yeah, no, ordinarily in a comedy festival, you would come to it and think, oh, everybody's going to be doing jokes about Donald Trump. But I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, even with my show, I wrote a list of all the things that Donald Trump was against. And I was like, I'm going to write a show that's about all those things, but that doesn't mention him because I don't want to give him the sort of, you know, the publicity or attack the person. Mm. I'd rather talk about the issues. So I think perhaps a lot of people have taken that approach, you know, in different ways. But there's got to be one. There's got to be one or, or someone who's spewing they didn't do this because they thought everybody Mate, was and then they would have been the only show doing an entire Donald Trump show. If, if there are comedians in Australia who can riff on hummus and Lord of the Rings as a pop culture pun, then surely it's not that hard to weave in hummus and Trump in some regard. I mean, I would have thought that it, that it would be perfect for, well, you know what, Dilruk uh, Jayasinghe, who's a really, really funny stand-up comedian, his show is called The Art of the Dill. Which is oh, a, there you go. There you go. That's so, good. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Good. All right. Somebody did do I it. I mean, he's a, he's a character that would, like, if you're watching, you know, have you ever, you know, Fat Pizza is very broad comedy. Not my particular taste, but very popular amongst some people. Much like pizza itself, beloved by the masses. Beloved by the masses. But the characters in that are so, like, cartoonishly huge. Yeah. I don't even think he could fit Donald Trump. Like, I think. Paul Fennick would go, after a take, would go, ah, too much. That's, that's way too over the top. Well, the weird thing about him too, though, he isn't as actual, you know, he's kind of like a weird buffoon. Like you kind of think of him as being like this WWE style entertainer who's like really charismatic mm. and really, but I actually think that a lot of the time he just kind of seems like petulant and grumpy and not actually particularly witty or charismatic. Like he's got a weird yeah. charisma that like appeals no, to people no, despite the fact. You're viewing it the... You're viewing it the wrong way. It's anti-comedy. That's why people find it amusing. It is because he is so, like, you know, uh, crotchety and sullen and kind of, you know, uh, not witty and all that kind of stuff. That's the beauty of it. It's like a schlumpy character. He's like, um, remember Chris Farley had that character, the motivational speaker? Was it Mike Foley? Were you going to live in a van down by the river? And the whole thing that made it so funny was he was such a fucking schlub. Like, he was just... And I think that is the appeal. Matt Foley, not Mike Foley. Uh, yeah, well, maybe that is it. Maybe that's that ordinary man. But I don't know. It just, to me, always feels like he's just having a bit of a sook. Yeah. Well, that's the other fucking crazy thing, too, is... Like, I mean, look, there's lots of crazy things. How do you even unpack it? But the fact that someone who is meant to represent the kind of voiceless comes from such a privileged background and is blatant about it, like... I mean, I don't know who talks more about their wealth, like rappers or, or Donald Trump. He's got that real fucking like gangster flow when it comes to big noting how much money he has. 
Yeah, but also, Charlie, like, who knows more about race issues than someone who's a racist? I mean... That's a good point. You know, so, I mean, they, they obviously have an interest in the area already. He gets it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's been being racist for years. He's not a fly-by-nighter. You know, he's been kicking black people out of his apartment building, giving money to persecute, you know, black criminals for crimes they didn't commit. Like, he's got a long history of that. And that's just an engagement in the community. I mean, the one when it comes to race with him is every time he refers to black people, he only ever talks about inner cities. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, totally. Are the only black people that you've ever met on that TV show, The Wire? Because (laughs) I think black people live everywhere, dude. Um, I have to update you. Uh, I think we've hit peak Dolph. Oh, okay. Hang on. All right. Well, here we go. Okay. Strap so to, in. to catch to catch everyone up, um, uh, Will's apartment that he rents in in Hollywood. Uh, his neighbour, it has been alleged for quite some time, is Dolph Lundgren. We still haven't had a hundred percent confirmation, but Will's friends have seen him. Um, we know his name. Well, a D Lundgren is on the door when you when you press the button on the front door. Um, lots of kind of third party sightings, but no. What would you call it? 100% confirmation? Yeah, that's like right. The, the, the no, FBI one, must have a word for it. There's one way that we could actually confirm it 100%, which is you could just push that button. You yeah. can push the delay well, button and see if Dolph answers on the other end. We don't have to do that, Will, oh, because I'm happy to, to, I'm happy to confirm oh, hang on. that Dolph Lundgren, the Dolph Lundgren, the uh, Swedish... Uh, karate champion, PhD in, in engineering and uh, movie star, is indeed your neighbour. And I know this because on Saturday I was upstairs using the, the gym that's in your apartment building. I was on my own. I went to the bathroom, took, uh, I took the kind of dump you take when you think that no one else is around. So a long time I was oh, in there. a Donald dump? <laughs> and then when I came out, Dolph Lundgren was standing in the middle of the gym. Wow. And I don't know if the two events of me going and taking a long dump and him doing this thing of opening the door are related, but when I walked out, he was opening the door to the gym. <laughs> That's an airing. But he was really lovely. Like he said, is that, okay? is that okay with you if I leave that open? I said, yeah, no problem. So then we start working out, just the two of us. You and it's a Dolph. Bit like it. Me and Dolph just working out in your gym. Are you serious? He's you, yeah, I can give okay, you. No, I can give down. you. I can describe every single exercise he did because even though I was doing mine, I had my eyes fixed on the mirror the whole time and watched his entire routine. Slow down, slow down, slow down. I, yeah. I want. I want every <laughs> bit of this. I, I want to know every bit of this. So when he talks mm. to you initially about the door being open, does he introduce himself? Do you talk to him? Do you say, "Hey, we're neighbors" or anything like that? You just both go no, up no. about your workout. We go straight into it. Yeah, okay. he's just yep. like, "Is right. okay." If I have the door open, I said, yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to use this area here. And what's he wearing? Describe what he's wearing. Uh, So he's wearing like a red Uh T-shirt. And um, it had the name that I think is like, it's a a company or a charity he's involved in. It's like, I don't know, it's called Leader or Master or some kind of like, you know, inspirational. So red T-shirt. Just on that note, could I just mention that there was a great photo of Russell Crowe our favourite Russell Crowe in the paper the other day, out exercising, wearing um, a water diviner singlet. So good to see Russell rocking that that film merch that he's still obviously got in a box in his basement. I love that he had printed up a bunch of water diviner T-shirts as if they were going to sell like hotcakes. Not even singlets. T-shirts, singlets. Water diviner exercise singlets, you know, for that lucrative exercise <laughs> market that also loved the movie The Water Diviner. <laughs> 
Anyway, so he's wearing a red T-shirt. He's wearing, is he wearing tracksuit pants? Basketball shorts, like oh, yeah. knee-length kind of okay. basketball yep. shorts and trainers. Um, needless to say, the bloke's in good nick. Uh, he's a lot more kind of rugged in person than probably what most people remember. I mean, he must be in his, what, 60s? Mike, how yeah. can you give us an age check on Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, but he's, he, he'd, um, he'd be getting up there. He's definitely... But, he's, he's in good shape you, for an older guy, but he's a bit Robert Redford around the face, isn't he? understand. You know what it's like? You know, you've started to see it with Brad Pitt a little bit. Like, Brad Pitt's still a handsome dude, but he's starting to get, like, the wrinkles and that real kind of, you know... But to be honest, when I saw him, I mean, he's very handsome. You can see why he's a movie star. But he actually had a bit of a Michael Shannon quality about him because he's a big dude, six foot four, I would estimate. But he's got that big square jaw. So with the rugged thing, it's actually added something to him. I would not be surprised, Will. He turns 60 in November. Right. Third, I wouldn't be surprised. Third of November, we should get him something. Oh, totally. I'm going to leave him something <laughs> for his birthday. That won't freak him out, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can leave him this podcast. That would freak him out. Yeah. Happy birthday. We're creeps. Um, but uh, he's very he's, I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting cast like I reckon someone like a Tarantino or someone will cast yeah. him in a small role and he'll kill because he's sort of got this quality now where he just looks he's got all that kind of original alpha male kind of you know Aryan quality but now he's got like a bit more character as well so well Charlie I don't want to I don't, I don't want to be crazy here but yeah. you know you're a film writer and yeah. you're looking to make a movie yeah, and, it's a good point. You know, it'd be great to be able to cast someone who has like a little bit of an international kind of presence, but in that oh rebirth role. <laughs> you are you know, just right. That would be one of those things that would make a new director, much like it made Tarantino in the first place, you know, because you're also the vehicle of a beloved character having their movie come back. Uh, your, oh my God. Your wife is a movie director. Look, I'm not saying that this is a perfect storm, but uh, yeah. Koshi and Sam Mack are going to be there in a second to commentate it. <laughs> so that's how well the storm is going. Yeah, we, we could create his being John Malkovich, being yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Yes, definitely you could. I, I think that's, that's good. Fucking, I think he's looking yeah, for that smart. opportunity. You will, know what you, you do? Leave it on, you will will do, you leave it on his doorstep? No, you, you do a mix-up in the mail, right? Yes. You accidentally send it to Knock his on the address door. instead of mine. Yeah, that's... You're fucking clever, man. Get over <laughs> here now. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me, someone delivered this script to my door instead of yours. I'm Will, by the way. Adolf. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Anyway, um, I accidentally opened it. I didn't realize that it was for you, and I read it, and, jeez, it's a compelling story. Anyway, uh, you, 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 this is for you. Uh, anyway, I'll be upstairs if you want to hang out or whatever. Just so happens I know the writer and the director, so if you're interested... No, that's uh... too much. Then he'd know he wouldn't read it. I've got to lure him yeah. in a little bit first. Okay, okay. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just, just the tip first, Don Dolph. So, um, how long did he work? Uh, how long did he uh, work out for? Uh, so we we're probably in there about forty-five minutes an hour. And and um, you were, were you at the start of your like training at that stage, or did you stay longer because he was there? Oh, of course I stayed longer. I didn't leave till after he left. Yeah. Like I don't normally really. I don't like stretching. I know you're meant to, but it's just like I'm going to uh, I'm going to take my time because I was also part of me was looking for an opportunity. I'm a bit like you, Will. I don't like going up to sort of like famous people, even if I'm big fans of theirs and bothering right. them, especially no. like, you know, he's at home, it's his gym. Right, it's his safe um, space. He's building where he wants to feel that he can just go to the gym and not be bothered by people. Yeah, and so I was, what I, but what I was looking for was an organic interaction, right. some kind of like, 
you know, like a song comes on the radio and it's like, oh, I know that song, I know that song. You know, let's start talking, right. whatever. You both reach but, for the same free weight. Your hands touch gently. You look <laughs> in each other's eyes. It's a meet cute moment. You were looking for your meet cute moment. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe he's like, hey, Charlie, can you come over here and spot me? Maybe you need someone uh, to spot him. Uh, I don't know that he does. The man is incredibly <laughs> powerful. Like, that's a thing, because he, he kind of, you know, 60 years old. When, we, when I was young, 60 years old was a grandpa. Like, that right. seemed like an old. So he is kind of like this old bloke, but he started off very, uh, started off on the treadmill, just did his 10 minutes of oh, getting yeah. the body warmed up. Oh, so he did his warm and up. Then, and then he just, he sort of did, it was kind of like a calisthenics sort of thing, I guess, where he was just sort of working, just more movement-based stuff, just sort of like, you know, going into sort of like, different positions and stuff and then working his way just back and forth back and forth loosening up everything and then um he started doing push-ups wide push-ups then he went to the free weights uh-huh. and he pretty much he hammered the bench that the closest i got to actually having a proper conversation with him was that i'd put my keys and my wallet on a bench and because i was on the ground doing sort of core stuff and he came over and he said do you mind if I move your wallet and keys? I want to use the bench. And I said, that's fine. Does he not <laughs> know? Did, did he not know Billy Brownless style that you never touch another man's wallet? Did he not know that? Has he not caught up to date with that? Um, yeah. No, I think Dolph, I think Dolph Lundgren is the kind of guy who touched a lot of people's wallets right. in the metaphorical and the literal sense. Yeah, like, that's a good point. I, I, I imagine, you know, when Dolph, when Dolph walks into a room, yeah. Dolph gets what Dolph wants. What, wallets open for Dolph, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that was probably like the first 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, I'm like, okay, this is fine because there's going to be some natural point in which, right. you know. A crossover. We'll, I'll take a... I'll take a break, he takes a break, whatever, we start chatting. Um, but I was foiled because another person came into the gym mm. who I don't know if he's a neighbor or a mate of his, but they knew each other. About the same age, older kind of, I think uh, it might have been, yeah, probably about the same age, um, but also quite big as well, obviously like a gym kind of guy. And they started talking and they had been out the night before. So all of a sudden I'm now bumped down, you right. know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He's got someone, it's not like, if it was just another person he didn't know, then everyone's on the same level. Now there's a dude who's usurped me, like I can't get past guy who he went out for a drink with last night, guy. Is there any chance you could have used guy he went out with a drink last night, guy, to get to him though? Oh, that's a good idea, I didn't think of that. Yeah, so you really needed me here. You needed me yeah. like Cyrano de Bergerac style. You needed an earpiece yeah, totally. in and I would have been up in my apartment and I would have been talking you through what you should have done. You just go over into the corner and speak into your yeah. towel. You're like, there's another guy here now. What do I do about yeah. the other guy? Now I can't talk to him. I'm like, Charlie, talk to the other guy. That's a power move because then Lundgren yeah. knows that you haven't talked to him, but you're just an ordinary guy who likes to talk to people, right? And then the other guy, he knows Dolph anyway, and you've made friends with the nice one. The one who's not famous yeah. always wants to be feel flattered around the one who is famous, right? Uh, That's yeah, a win-win. Yeah. You've made everyone happy. It's kind of, I had to neg Dolph. Is that what yeah. you're saying? You had to neg Dolph. I, you know what I should have said? I, I should have said, hey, Dolph, that's a nice T-shirt. Um, yeah, I saw the really fat guy wearing one of those the other day and then just walk off. <laughs> no, no, because you'd be dead now. <laughs> he would put, well, you here's down, the other thing. He'd put you down the recycling chute and you'd be dead. Here's the other thing. I didn't eavesdrop on their conversation, but, but I picked up quite a lot of it. Just from hearing. Oh, 
for, let, for, me, let me ask you this then. Did you have headphones in? Yes, yeah. So that's how I was air dropping. Had right. headphones in but was not listening to music. Good plan. Okay, that's yeah. that, that yeah. one I would have suggested. You honestly, actually, you could have literally, because it's the kind of headset, the Bluetooth headset, you could have actually called me right. from your apartment and we could have literally done this because I would have been able to hear you, but they wouldn't be able to hear you. We're going to do this. We're going to fucking, I'm coming back. I'm spending all my savings to come back to LA specifically. I'm going to spend every day at your place, going up to the gym, waiting for Dolph. And when he comes, I'm going to get you to call me. And then we're going to go do this whole thing again. All I'm saying is, Charlie, we're both going to be there a couple of days before the LA podcast festival. Yeah. Stalk that's, Dolph. That's our perfect time. Because if we could make that happen... In the 48 hours before the LA Podcast Festival, well, we don't have to come up with any other stories for the LA Podcast Festival. <laughs> Fuck, man. Do you think we could do it? Oh, we be could. Yeah. All right, but you know, it'd be great if okay. we could get him on the podcast. That would be the ultimate dream. Imagine okay, we so could... we're going we're gonna to cast him in a film. Right. We're going to put him on the podcast. I mean, I think he does all right. Like, I, I, don't think, I don't think Dolph... He seems to work all the time. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I don't think we'd be doing him a charity. He's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying that yeah. it'd be great for us. I'd he'd love, be doing us a charity. He'd be doing yeah. us a massive favour. Yeah. That's how I was looking at it. <laughs> uh, so I did eavesdrop a bit, but I'll protect his privacy, the yeah, details. Yeah, of course. But what I'll give you is a, my, my sense of the tone of the conversation. Okay, good. Yeah, that's which, nice. Gave me an insight into the man. Nice. And so they talked about they'd gone out for drinks, they'd met up with some friends, and they'd had a good night. And it was like they both agreed it was a good night. But there was something about the way Dolph phrased his response, which was like, it was good to have... It was like this. He said, it was good to go out and have a couple of laughs. Always good just to have a couple of laughs. That was the tone of it. There was kind of a wistfulness, a kind of... Perhaps he hadn't been looking forward to it, but then was surprised that he enjoyed it. But there was some, I sensed some, there was some, I don't know, uh, 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 there's some melancholy. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing about Dolph. Like, you know, he's got this gruff exterior, but he's got a, an emotional heart, I think, you know. I think he is a okay. poet. One of the things I was going to open with, yeah. if I did get a chance to sort of acknowledge, hey, you're Dolph and... I'm a fan or whatever, was I thought I can't open with any of the obvious ones. He's going to get the Rocky Fours. He's going to get the Expendables. He's going to get the Kindergarten Cop 2 fans. Um, I wanted to open with something that like was probably more obscure. Okay. So I, was, I wanted to say, hey, I saw your TED talk. Oh, that would be good. That would yeah, be good, right? Charlie. I reckon that would be a depth. What was his TED talk on? His TED talk was like uh, overcoming anger, embracing vulnerability. Oh, well, there you go. Perfect. I mean, this feels yeah. like that would be something that would be a good opportunity to talk to him because it you know, embraces his vulnerability. And he wouldn't yeah, be able that's to, right. And just immediately also, he wouldn't be able to be angry at you for bringing it up because that's <laughs> yeah. against the point of the TED Talk. So, um, Yeah, no, I, I, I sense it was a kind of... I think, you know what? Having what he talked... Seeing what he's talked about on the TED Talk, because he talked a lot about, you know... Uh, hiding from, you know, emotional pain with sex and drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff, like putting himself through a tough time and then sort of then only later in life coming to realise that, you know, it's got to work on himself and couldn't hide from all that stuff. Hearing him then talk about going out for some drinks and then having some laughs, and it was a lot of laughs, was like, oh, you know what, this is good. Like he's just gone out to hang out with some friends. 
There was no need to be anyone or hide from anything. There's no social anxiety. It was good to have a couple of laughs. Right. And he didn't like have to make a whole night of it. He didn't have to like get out there and get on the gear and drink all night and whatever like they did in the old days. You can just go out and have a couple of laughs. Or maybe he didn't have to. He's on a laugh rationing and he only has a couple per day. So he's like, it's just, he's just saying it's good to have a couple of laughs, but that is it. No more or no less laughs. Uh, so those guys chat for a bit longer and then everyone goes into a sort of weird, silent kind of workout. No one's talking Okay. for about 15 minutes. Occasionally one person, one of us is going out to get some fresh air or whatever. And you know, but it's everyone's just focusing on the job and I can kind of sense there's a bit of minor bit of competition going on particularly between Dolph and his mate just a little bit I mean if you're working out next to Dolph Lundgren see I wasn't lifting weights I imagine if you're lifting weights next to Dolph next to Dolph Lundgren there's going to be a temptation to go heavier than you probably should uh Charlie I can barely lift up my coffee cup but if I was in the gym with Dolph Lundgren (laughs) and he puts like if he was just doing kind of lighter reps on the bench press or whatever like immediately after he got off it (laughs) I would go and put it on a heavier weight and at least try to lift one just for the just for the story (laughs) dislocate your shoulder dislocate my shoulder my shoulder's hanging off my arm and then I just walk by him going do you even lift bro I'm going to hospital. Can you give me a lift <laughs> to the hospital, lift, bro? bro? Can you give me a lift to Cedarsino, bro? <laughs> this is mostly your fault. I only did this to compete with you because I love you. Oh, I don't understand my own emotions. Can I watch your TED talk? <laughs> um, so after the weight session, yeah. he moved into stretching. And this is where I was uh, the most impressed. He is super fucking flexible still. Like, you know, he's a karate guy, so could do high kicks and all that kind of shit. I don't know if he could do the splits or anything, but he went through, he stretched for about 15 minutes and it was like, for an old dude, like he was like so fucking flexible, like at, at full movement and stuff. But the best bit happened just after the stretching because I'm like, oh fuck, he's almost done. So I haven't had an opportunity. So I was, I was letting it go. He goes outside and like a scene from one of his films from the 80s, he does whatever karate people do as a kind of like, you know, in Kung Fu films, you'll see someone just like in the, in the garden by the lake and they're like, you know, doing all kind of like moves of their arms and stuff. Like yeah, a like, kind of, like a kind of Tai Chi style thing. Tai Chi style thing. He goes out on the balcony and will, for five minutes, he does his like, I'm a fucking karate badass, like Tai Chi shit. Like it was Aww. amazing. You know what I mean? Oh, that's the best. Like, if you were going to put him in a film, and, you know, and he's some kind of loner who's sworn off, you know, combat or whatever, that's his opening scene. Is him on the fucking balcony doing his like Tai Chi shit. It was awesome. It was so great. Um, and then uh, he he came back in and he said goodbye to his mate, but then he made a point of coming over to me, like actually came over and said, "Hey, nice to meet you. See you later," and walked out the door. Wow. Oh. Well, I mean, I just love him even more. Yeah. So let's talk him, this guy we love. I mean, yeah, let's let's talk about him for hours uncomfortably behind his back on a podcast and then stalk him. Because, you know, we love him. Oh, he also, I, we had actually another encounter before that. Um, uh, Gemma and I were in the car park 
and he was there. He's got a he's got a very expensive looking sports car. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, like something from an eighties film. There's a few of those in that car park, though. Hey, I noticed you've got that, a few, few Teslas and stuff. Yeah, in my building, like some people have either bought new cars or new people have moved in who've got better cars because it. I, I go down there sometimes and go. These are some. Have you? Have you seen the car that's like, it's like a racing car? Yeah. It's got like stickers I, and shit on it. It is a racing car. And I've met the oh, dude yeah. whose car it is and talked to him about it a couple of times. And he occasionally takes it out and takes it racing and stuff. Wow. Yeah. But you can't, that's not street legal, is it? I think it's street legal in the way that you're allowed to get it to somewhere sort of thing. I don't think you could just drive. I don't think you could use it think- as an Uber. <laughs> Do you think I could, if I knocked on his door, he could just give me the keys and I could just sit in the car park? Like, I, I won't take it out. I just want to sit in the car, rum, rum, like yeah. Donald Trump in a truck. <laughs> well, you don't even really need the keys. Just if you let it, you just go, can I sit in it? I'll make the noises yeah. myself. I don't have to turn it <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gemini saw uh, Dolph. He was uh, in his car. It was, I think, it's weird because it, looked, it didn't look like a Tesla, but it looked like an expensive European car. And he was charging it with a plug. So I don't know if, I don't know, one of those cars do electric, like if all people do electric cars or whatever. But um, that still wasn't a confirmed sighting because we were walking past and he was sitting in the car, sunglasses on. Like, again, it could have been Dan Lundgren or anyone. Um, But this was 100% eyes on, confirmed. You know, the eagle has landed. Dolph is your neighbor. Congratulations. Um, Well done. I will now spend the next however long I'm here. I mean, gym every day. I mean, it feels like the eight years I've been going there and the outrageous amount of money I pay to rent that apartment that I can't really afford anymore, seeing the Australian <laughs> dollars gone to shit, is all worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to suggest this to you because I know this is an expensive apartment and everything, but I was thinking we need to raise a Dolph Lundgren Patreon level. <laughs> like if we raised enough money on Patreon, we could just like rent this apartment. We'd just turn it into like a, our TOEFOP LA office and that right. way we get to keep maybe hanging out with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. It's worth it. Let's base our entire business model around whether we can hang out with Dolph Lundgren or not. <laughs> and I, I, to be honest, I don't think that's the stupidest idea we've had. <laughs> have you we, apply, we, we apply for a bank loan. And I was like, so uh, is this a personal loan? Well, no, it's a business loan. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're investing in Dolph. Yeah. We, we've put all our money into Dolph Lundgren. He doesn't know yet, but we're pretty sure he'd be cool with it because I live in the same apartment as him sometimes. <laughs> we're pretty sure it's him. Here's a picture of his... Uh, <laughs> when you push the button at the... Here's a picture of him in the gym I took on my phone. Ah, uh, see, I was very tempted. That was the other thing is like I can't... I can't hassle him. I can't ask for a photo. Like I, I think need to build the friendship first. Yeah. And well, then... If it was your last day there or, you know, if we were giving up the apartment immediately, I've signed until the end of the year, we've got time to make this happen. And the one thing we don't want to rush is that we don't want to rush and scare him off. You know? No, that's right. We want yeah, this we to play be... The, play the long game. Yeah. We play the Lundgren game. Yeah, the Lundgren game. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to say, but written down and it would work well. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, stalking celebrities, did you follow any of that stuff about the missing Richard Simmons podcast so you know richard no so i was shaking my head i should say no i forgot people can't see (laughs) um do you know richard simmons is right he's the exercise dude yeah and so somebody did this podcast um all about you know where was he and why did he disappear and what's going on with richard simmons and i never listened to it because it felt really intrusive to me but it ended up being the number one podcast in the world for ages 
and like he's right. still in the, the top five everywhere. But then there's been all this attention on him, and there was all these rumors that he was transitioning, or that he was a recluse oh. now, or that he was really, really sick or something. And he's kind of had to come out and you know deny these things and say, please, you know, this is in, like invading my privacy and stuff. So, I mean, I'm just hoping that we are not having one of those situations with Dolph. You know, <laughs> we're not going to stalk <laughs> you, Dolph. We're not going to we're not going to do tours at the house. No, but. If you want to hang out on our balcony, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd Teach be awesome. Teach us kung fu kicks and stuff. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Just give, I'll get, yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be unreal. What would we do? We do yeah. With, with well, actually, you know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I, I said how I was doing that um, uh, karate workout in my underwear in your living room. Yeah. Because I've got this little phone app that's got a personal trainer. So I was using the same app when I was in the gym with Dolph and um, it was the same workout, which is like this core workout. But this time, when it suggested I get up and do a kick, I'm like, fuck that. No, no way. (laughs) Not in front of Dolph. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. What do you reckon we do? Like, if we got him on the podcast, I mean, other than having a couple of laughs, what else do you think? Like, what do you think his areas of, what do you think he'd be interested in? What sort of stuff, you know, if we were to kind of like, Dolph, you'll love this. It'll be fun. What do you reckon Dolph's interests are? What his passions are? Well, I guess, you know, he wouldn't want to talk about work, I don't think, like past right. glories. I think that would be one to avoid. I mean, if he's done this kind of, uh, Mike Hal's brought up the link, Dolph Lundgren on healing and forgiveness, the TED Talk. I find that people, because I'm one of them, who have gone through therapy tend to want to talk about therapy. Right. <laughs> because it's this endless well. Like when you first kind of have that... Um, when you have that kind of microscope poured back in on yourself, uh, it becomes endlessly fascinating to start raking through, you know, your life choices or, you know, how you've ended up in a certain way or what influences have made you the person who you're in. I mean, I reckon that would probably be a way to at least start a conversation in a way that's not, let's talk about Rocky Four. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like, it feels like he's got some thoughts about, like, life and the world. I mean, even the fact that he's, you know... He's living in West Hollywood now. He's clearly kind of seems like he's in a new patch of his life, you know, in in some way, you know, he seems like he's back on the scene a bit now. You know, obviously he's, you know, he's, he's going through some sort of growth. All right. You know what I reckon it would be to satisfy both kind of interests and curiosities with what he knows about himself now, with the kind of awareness he has now. Then we go back through his career because uh, yeah, there would be a yeah. different perspective, perspective because I imagine one experience was as a young man in the midst of this kind of like, you know, this uh, cyclone of fame and partying and whatever. And then now there's kind of more open, reflective, insightful Dolph. Like I think we could maybe get his perspective. If almost 60-year-old Dolph could talk to a 27-year-old Dolph, like what would he say to him? Something like that. Okay, hang on. I found a link here um, uh, to a Rotten Tomatoes uh, article on Dolph, and it's uh, they've asked Dolph what his five favorite films are. Okay, good. That's a good one. So right, that'll give guess. us that'll give us an insight, right? But also something that perhaps we could use as small chat yeah. if we 100%. like in a Dolph situation. So let me try and let me try and guess what they are. No, yeah, this will definitely this will definitely be fun. Right, you'll you'll okay. definitely enjoy this, right? Yeah, yes. And by the way, Mike Hell points out good crossover to our other podcast. Uh, <laughs> that apparently, like Nathan Buckley, the coach of the Collingwood football team, Dolph Lundgren can tell you his top five films at all times. <laughs> um, all right, five films. 
all right, I'll, I'll start with um, an easy one. We spoke earlier about, you know, a director that um, is yep. famous for giving people a comeback film. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, one of his films. Yeah. Okay. Now, the obvious choice, because it's everyone's favourite Tarantino film, is Pulp Fiction. But I wonder if Dolph is going to give a more interesting answer. Like maybe... Okay, you know what I'll do? Can I... I can I'll I, read can I, you uh, his comments about the film. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you can then guess which film it is. That's I one. really loved Uma Thurman. <laughs> you son of a bitch, Dolph. <laughs> Uh, that's one you can see a million times and it's like a whole new style and dialogue and all that stuff is what he said. Pop fiction. Pop fiction was the movie, yes. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to, I mean, this one's a bit of a classic as well. This is what he said uh, about mm. this one. Uh, one movie I like is, I won't say it, uh, yeah. because it's got everything. The lighting, the acting. I mean, by the way, Mentions the lighting first, which is an interesting choice. The lighting, yeah. the acting, the story, the performances. Again, lighting seems really high <laughs> in that list for me. But anyway. Well, it depends what the film is. You guys all remember the Oscars where they do best actor, best film, and then, of course, the big one that everyone wants to win, best lighting. Um, the lighting, the acting, the story, the performances, direction, everything put together. You can always watch it. If you've seen it 20 times, you can see it another 20 times, you know. There's always little details. That's the thing. Attention to detail. God, that could be fucking anything. Give yeah. me a decade. Uh, 1972, this movie came out. God, The Godfather. Oh, <laughs> God. I thought, uh, I thought 1972 is fine. Charlie won't immediately know what it is, but it turns out you did. So <laughs> human internet strikes again. <laughs> well, I think you gave me the, you know, I mean, it, it didn't win the Oscar in 73, so I just had to pick the best film from the year before. Okay. Here, all right, here I go. The, uh, this one is where our worlds just come together one more time. Uh, you and Dolph? Well, I won't give too much away so that you can... Okay, so it's a Christopher Nolan film. Uh, I like this film because it's an epic and they use CGI really well, I thought. I like those movies... A lot of films I've done, it was about the hero's journey and all that Joseph Campbell stuff. That's a good one. Uh, oh. Hang on. Sorry. Can you say read, read me the last half of the quote again when he talks about the Joseph Campbell? A lot of films I've done, it was about the hero's journey and all that Joseph Campbell stuff. That's a good one. There's so many films it could yeah. be, though. Uh, look, um, it, give me a decade. It came out in the in the two thousands. Um, mm. and, and good spe- okay, so it's good special effects. So it's an action film. It's a well, or it's action a, sci-fi, action heroes journey style film, and it has a crossover with this podcast. So it has to be a Batman film. It has to be the Dark Knight. It is, of course, uh, Gladiator from <laughs> two thousand, oh. starring Russell Crowe. Go, Roscoe! Shit! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Uh, the Hero's Journey? Is it really? I guess it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, all right, here we go. Uh, this one, uh, interesting. Um, it, it doesn't give a lot of description of this, so it might be hard for you to guess this one. Uh, okay. It, this is a good movie, I think. Simplicity, <laughs> in, 
simplicity and epic qualities and no acting. well i think they're wrong emphasis it's this is a good movie i think not i think there's no question mark <laughs> it says this is a good movie comma i think full stop this is a good movie i think yeah no the emphasis can still be in, this is a good movie i think uh simplicity and epic qualities and acting and everything story what yeah. <laughs> say that again it's got good acting and everything full stop story full stop yeah are you serious yeah. oh, shit. i'm just reading um, it mate so he's saying it's a good film there's a good story and i'm meant to guess from that yeah. okay <laughs> give I'll, me a I'll, decade. Give you, I'll give you a clue to this one um it's a western okay um it came out in the unforgiven 90s. unforgiven unforgiven Gee, you didn't yeah. even know that's very good charlie all right thank you last but not least this one came out in the 60s oh yeah it's one of those epic pictures the story is great i think that's what cool what's cool is you had a young director the fact that he had to walk on there uh blah blah blah, blah i can kind of relate to that he brought this kid on set and he didn't really know him. And he turned out to be this incredible genius who did these incredible battle scenes and just some beautiful stuff in there with real extras. They had 5,000 extras. If you call cut, reset, it took half a day to put everybody back in their positions. That's an accomplishment, I think. Scale, but also keeping it intimate in those close-ups. They said he designed the last shot of his movies first. He tried to sum up the whole picture in the last shot of the movie. And then there's more that would give it away. But he really likes this film because he... <laughs> Because pretty much for Unforgiven, he went, you know, acting and everything, story. And then story, this full one, stop story. This one, there's like an essay and a half, so. I'm going to go just a complete step in the dark. Lawrence of Arabia? Uh, you're in the right sort of zone, but he's talking talk about Spartacus. Ah. Uh, yeah, and uh, Kubrick uh, directed that. So Spartacus and uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Put two Gladiator films in and no Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> What's going on, Dolph? Oh, Where's by the, the way, they shot the last scene of Rocky IV first. There you go. There's a little interesting fact. What is the last scene of Rocky IV? I don't know, but I just that's what it said. There's actually um, a deleted scene uh, I saw from Rocky IV. So, you know, Ivan Drago loses to Rocky in Russia in front of, like, you know, Mikhail Gorbachev and all those guys. And so there's a deleted scene you can find on YouTube where it's actually great, but I can understand why they cut it because it seems like it's from a different film where drunk Ivan Drago, having lost to Rocky, stumbles into this very stereotypical-looking Soviet bar where everyone's like huddled around drinking vodka and stuff. And he's drunk, obviously, because he's lost to Rocky. And so he's staggering about the bar and stuff and people are either keeping their distance because they're embarrassed of him or because it's Ivan Drago. Um, but he may, someone makes a mistake of bumping him or something and then Ivan Drago goes fucking berserk on this bar. And I think, I'm not imagining this. Michael, you might be able to watch this clip. It's very short. Let us know. But I think he machine guns someone in the bar at the end of the film. What? So it goes from, yeah. Michael, just Google uh, cuts deleted scene, Rocky IV, uh, Ivan Drago. And I'm pretty sure I might have imagined it. But yeah, he gets, it's just like he punches some guy up or punches a few guys up, then grabs a submachine gun and like, just nails a bunch of people in this bar and i can you're like yeah that that's a kind of a, a bit of a downer ending right i think Drago <laughs> just turns fucking columbine <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, all is right. that it here? Yeah. Hang. Yeah, Mike Al's found the clip. Hang uh, on. Can we share this and watch this or should we just play it at the same time? Maybe let's just, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how it works. But we'll, just click, we'll just click play at the same time, ready? Okay. One, two, three. All right. It's coming up on my thing as you're starting. Me too. Oh, here he is. Just started. He's on the screen in mine. So it's that bar I was telling you about. There's yeah, Ivan he's Drago. Having a, he's, he's drinking. He's having a drink. A bit bummed out. Yeah. So lots of people are this having is, a good time and he's drinking yeah. heavily. Oh, he burps. And oh, he gets burps. everybody's attention. The bar goes quiet. The music just cut off when he burped. That was good timing. Yeah. But then everybody comes back to him. Hang on. Here we go. Oh, now he's, he's tossing people out of the way as he goes yeah, through yeah. this bar. Oh, hang on. Now he's got everybody's attention. Oh, somebody offered him a drink, kind of. Yeah. His shirt's he open. He looks pissed off. He, he oh, sticks his no. bottle of vodka oh, in his pocket. He's, he's have, picking a fight with some not that tough looking dude with a lot of hair on his shoulders. Oh, he tells the guy to get out of his seat. The guy hits him in the balls, does nothing. nothing. Punches in the guts, does nothing. None of them again. Punches in the Nothing. Ivan Jago laughs. Laughs. That's humiliating. Laughs in the face of danger. All uh, oh, oh, then headbutts him. Oh, Shit. Punches oh, out punches the out the barman. Oh, you're broke, my The guy says, you... <laughs> Oh, it breaks it again. I don't know why I'm speaking English in this Russian bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now everyone in the bar's gone back to normal. He starts singing? singing a song. Probably the, the Russian national anthem, well, I imagine. He just shoved a bloke. <laughs> and he's pushed. Hang on. A guy can, stands up and starts singing with him. But Yeah. I think he's picking a fight with Super Mario, Super Soviet Mario. <laughs> That's what he looked like. He looked like Siberian Mario. <laughs> oh, well, on. he's picked a guy up by the, by the, the face, face and thrown him on the ground. Oh, oh, then on. a guy comes in with a gun. A couple of guys from Hogan's Heroes come in. Oh, oh he punches him. He oh, kicks he grabs and then the look, gun. he's going to look. Yeah, he just goes Columbine oh, on the bar. My <laughs> God. Two more soldiers come in. He takes a swig from his vodka and is like, fuck you guys. And then... And then his coach or someone comes in? Yeah, he just shot up a bar. Are you out of your mind? No, just out of bullets. The end. (laughs) You know what? I don't think that is from Rocky. It seems like it's from another film, right? Like that's got to be from another film because that makes no sense that that would happen. That doesn't... Does it? It can't, it, no. No. No, that can't be, right? That's just got to be something else. Michael, you have to do some investigation Rocky? because I, I, I think, yeah, we may have misled the audience. It, it would seem strange at the end of Rocky IV for Ivan Drago, but no. it looks like Russia, right? It, I mean, it does, but it must be from some other film. I have found while You'd, we've been Googling here some other uh, up-to-date uh, Dolph Lundgren information, though, because he's having a bit of a career okay. resurgence here. Um, only, well, well, with us at least. Oh, no, only on Mar- March the seventh, uh, he was singing the Russian national anthem. There you go. Uh, on March the seventh, um, uh, it was announced that the band Imagine Dragons. Do you know Imagine Dragons? They're quite a mm-hmm. big, popular American band. Um, they had that huge hit, uh, Radioactive, and um, that. Here we go. It takes a lot of confidence to engage in fisticuffs against an action star like Dolph Lundgren, but it seems Imagine Dragons frontman Dan Reynolds is up to the challenge. And a true believer, just like the title of the band's latest single, single, in a new video released Tuesday, March the 7th, Reynolds and Lundgren face off in a futuristic uh, bloody boxing match, putting new meanings to the song's lyrics, praising the virtues of pain. (laughs) Well, there you go. 
I mean, I now. Oh, hang on. Now, now I'm looking at this. Sorry, I just need to have a quick look at Believer. Oh, he's looking good. Okay, I probably can't. We can probably can't play the music. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Imagine Dragons, and we're not going to be a pay for this. But oh, oh, there he is. Oh my God, he's like bleeding, and he's got his shirt off. Okay, we can't play all that. But that okay, we'll have a look at that later. But he, I think this is a big comeback time for Dolph. Yeah, you think you think there's something in the zeitgeist, the yeah. dolphin, the the Dolph naissance. Right. Well, you know what it is, because he has been in Arrow a bit. He's been like appearing in the TV show Arrow. So I just right. think, like, you know, it's just like we're feeling it. He's, he's, you know, he's back. I think so. I think that I think I think a, a, a Tarantino esque revival, someone who kind of can take that persona and use it to their advantage, is going to do really well. Now, Charlie, can I just say yeah, that that clip that we watched? Yeah, I have a feeling it is from another Dolph Lundgren film that came out not long after. Rocky Four called Red Scorpion, in which he plays oh, yeah. a Russian assassin. That makes Michael, a lot more can sense. You just, can you just Google the synopsis <laughs> for Red Scorpion? Because I think that must be. I mean, he, I mean, he lo- it looks like Dolph Lundgren, but it would be strange that Dolph would gun down a bar after Rocky Four. It right? makes no sense. The, and the only reason we're saying that is that's what it says on YouTube. It says it's a deleted scene. Ivan Drago after he loses to Rocky Balboa, but. Um, for the first time ever, something on the internet may not be true. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm on the bottom of my list of uh, up-to-date Dolph Lundgren news because I just Googled Dolph Lundgren news and there was quite a lot. Um, <laughs> Do you have Google alerts going for Dolph? But down the bottom here from the 20th of March, so this is pretty hot off the presses, only 11 uh, days ago, there was an article on Crave Online and it was the, here's the headline. Dolph Lundgren has a hot daughter you have to check out. So... <laughs> so Maybe that's what we open with yeah. when we see him. Uh, yeah, but can we check out your hot daughter? Uh, I do. Oh no, okay. They're modelling shots. It felt for a minute that I was like, like it was just one of those pervy articles where they've gone through their Instagram, and I think there is a yeah. little bit of that. They've certainly gone through it Instagram, <laughs> but also uh, I don't want to say too much more because I don't want it to stop our chances of getting Dolph on the podcast. But <laughs> the headline is one hundred percent accurate. That's what I will say. <laughs> <laughs> google google that in your own time people here we go the human internet wins again says michael the clip was from red scorpion there you go but wouldn't it be great if they ever do like a director's cut of rocky four just to include that one scene from red scorpion just to throw the audience like i would love that well like, just has got enough money he could buy the rights to the film i'm sure you know what would be great, actually, Charlie, is if in movies, you know, like they do in the Marvel universe, where there's like a crossover, like Sam, yeah, Samuel Jackson will rock up and you know tell them what's going to happen or whatever. But it'd be great if they just did that for movies. So, like, basically, you watch Rocky Four, and then after the credits, like, you don't know if it's him or the next character, and it kind of puts you forward to the next movie. That's the, you know, yeah, hundred percent. We know what it's like. It's like when people cut those fan trailers so they'll say you oh, know yeah, they yeah, want yeah. Dolph Lundgren to play like Spider-Man and so they'll just cut together all these kind of that's what you could do you could make you know what I don't know if we have these kind of people listening to our show but if someone wants to cut a pure Dolph film using all these characters from all these films cut them all together so it looks like everyone in the film is Dolph Lundgren being John Malkovich style oh, that is yeah. a film I would watch you've got you've sold one ticket there <laughs> Because how hard could it be? 
Like it's always going to be like his films are always follow a similar kind of vein, right? So I'm sure you could just cut him out and just cut scenes together with him. It doesn't have to make sense. I'm not I'm not asking for an overarching plot. Come on, guys. We just want a Dolph compilation. Dolph v. Dolph. Yeah. Take two fight scenes from Dolph and make it look like Dolph's fighting himself. Oh, yeah, like a Dolph off. That. We've got ourselves a Dolph off. <laughs> have you seen um, Logan yet? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yep. Uh, spoiler alert. We'll give people, uh, Mike, how can you time code this? But um, the one of the, it's a great film, but one of the best parts is old Hugh Jackman fighting young Hugh Jackman, right? Isn't that fucking awesome? I mean, I love, oh, I love young Hugh Jackman's haircut. He, just, yes. he actually reminds me of young Hugh Jackman. I thought they did a really good yeah. job of that because there was a time where Hugh Jackman yeah, used to kind of play those characters with those kind of like just That's bulky, broken haircuts. What was, what was that show he was on? Was it called Corelli? Yeah, It was like so. his first job where yeah. he played like that crim. The and first thing haircut. I said when he came out is he's got Corelli's haircut again. Right. I love that. I was like, oh, it's Wolverine Corelli. It's Corellivarine. <laughs> <laughs> Corellivarine. Oh, it's Erskineville King's Wolverine. <laughs> That's a fucking deep cut. Aussie film deep cut. I, I was glad that that film gave that character, you know, I think they really made a really fantastic film. I, I, I didn't quite love it as much as perhaps Justin loved it. Like Justin was like, this is like, you know, the best superhero film since The Dark Knight. And I was like... I think it was in that conversation, definitely. Like, I really, really liked it. And I thought there was, like, mm. heaps of it that I really loved. But um, I still kind of think it didn't quite get there as, like, a like an all-time classic, you know. But but it was very, it's very good. easily the best Wolverine oh, has been on camera. Uh, easily. I mean, I thought it was brilliant yeah. for Hugh Jackman. It was br- brilliant for Patrick Stewart. Like, I mean, you know, Stephen Merchant was cool in it. The kid mm. is amazing. Like, she did such yeah. a great job. Like, it was funny enough. It was well shot. The fight scenes. Like, I heard some people going, oh, they didn't like the violence. But I was like, no, 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 no. This whole time, I haven't quite liked that Wolverine hasn't been able to be Wolverine. But, yeah, exactly. It's funny. There was a, there's a lot of very emotional parts to the film. But the part that got me most choked up was uh, at the end when Wolverine and his daughter lay waste to an entire platoon of soldiers. Like, I literally got choked up because what they do so well in that film is work in these themes of, you know, being broken. And, you know, this character finds out he has a daughter and the tragedy of that is she is broken like he is. Like, she will never be able to get close to anyone because she's been designed for one purpose and that's to kill. So in that one brief moment where they lay waste, it's the only time in their lives they're ever going to experience anything close to kind of like love because this is what they're born to do and finally she's got someone she can do that with because he's going to die and she's going to have no one who understands that and i was just like i wonder if i'll get this choked up with every film where i see a 10 year old girl cut a man's leg in two right but that's what i thought was really great about it was that you know and i thought the fighting and the way that the fightings expressed the emotions of the film was really really powerful and i thought they did a really good job of you know, lots of like stillness and silence and plot setting and character setting and then just mm. really great. Because what it reminded me is you don't need relentless enthusiasm, like relentless fights and relentless kind of action and momentum. What you need yeah. is like some really good fights and action and momentum. But then in between, make us give a fuck about these people before you make <laughs> yeah. them fight each other. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to, uh, have you seen the trailer for Justice League? Oh, boy. 
I mean, they, yeah. well, they had the opposite approach. They've spent the last five years making us hate all those characters before they put them together. It's um, it's really funny. Like they just, it's like they don't get it. They're either so, it's that they remind me of like someone who has bought a lemon. And they keep spending money on the lemon, getting it fixed. And you're like, just fucking sell it. It's just buy a new car, start again. Like, just, just sell it. But because they're so fucking pot deep and they've been bragging about this car, they keep fucking just like spending more money on it and it just keeps fucking breaking down. Like, it, it, there's just nothing about that film that makes me want to see it. Like, nothing at all. I mean, firstly, that describes my car. So now I have some sympathy for them. Now that you put <laughs> yeah, it right. that way, I finally look at them and go, oh, I get it. I see why you're flushing all this money down the toilet now. You love it and you believe in it and you refuse to acknowledge its flaws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, you know what? That's yeah. bullshit. Who am I kidding? I will see it. I will see it. But oh, it's just so... I mean, I don't, and also, what were, you, what were you thinking? Like, there was no way coming from the creative team it's coming from that you were going to see anything different to what we've seen before. But that thing you're saying about in between the spectacle, just give us something that we can hook into. I just don't get that. Like, you just don't, and, and nothing in that clip. It's just like, it might as well just be still images, you know what I mean? Because they all look great and it's all iconic and stuff, but it's just, you don't give a shit. Like, you don't care about seeing them in motion. No, there's just nothing exciting about it. And uh, did you see the Spider-Man trailer? Yeah, which looked great. Yeah, and Michael Keaton, of course. So, you know, you'll be happy. Yeah, I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I read some very nerdy article on uh, online today, which was like why Michael Keaton could save Marvel's villain problems. Uh-huh. And it's like, because they talk about, you know, when you DC have always had the market cornered on good villains. Absolutely. You know? Marvel, especially in the films, it's always like some faceless, like, you know, robot army or yeah. alien army or whatever. But they haven't had a character who's like, apart from maybe Jeff Bridges in the first Iron Man, well, I mean, you would argue, I or think, Loki. I think Loki, like, you know, but again, that's, Loki's more camp villain rather than like terrifying Scary. actual villain. Yeah. So they were saying that judging from the, the casting of Michael Keaton and the tone of the film, that he actually could be a good villain. But I don't know how you get that from two and a half minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon that kid's good. I reckon he's going to be good as Spider-Man. It looks good. It looks like it's going to be fun. Yeah, you know, I fucking love that twi- that thing that he's got that... The suit seems to operate on like... Do you remember in the 90s or those Puma twist top sneakers you could buy where right. like, you could tighten the sneaker by <laughs> twisting this little dial and then to release it, you'd press the button and the shoe would open up? He's got one of those on his chest. It's right. the spider symbol. <laughs> <laughs> got to pump it. This is yeah. my Spider-Man <laughs> pump. Hang on, hang on, I'll go up the... I'm in a wall, I'm just going to... I'm just going to pump it up. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a 15-year-old boy, so if Arnie May heard that... Yeah, right. Coming from his bedroom... I'm just masturbating, like, oh, well. Arnie May. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just masturbating. I'm certainly not the world-famous Spider-Man. I'm masturbating. I don't know why he should tell me when he's masturbating. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Um, we should finish up, because uh, it's opening night for me today, so... Um, uh, but we need to talk about uh, our big live TOEFOP show that we are doing at the Melbourne International yeah. Comedy Festival. It is now on sale to everybody as of today. Well, as of today when we're recording, but uh, it will. it is selling very, very quickly. Uh, it's almost half sold out already and it's only officially just gone on sale today. So uh, I can confirm some guests, Charlie, to you and also the audience. Um, All right. So obviously John Deeks is doing the show. We have the amazing John yep. Deeks. 
Um, Daniel Sloss is uh, confirmed nope. to do the show. Always nope. good to have Daniel on. Charlie loves Daniel. Nope. Uh, no, Vito. No. Nick Cody is doing a live nope. show of ours for no, the first time. Not. I know you really like no. Nick Cody. So no, you said no, to me, on. actually, when we were overseas last year, that you'd love to get Nick Cody again. Over uh, my dead body. I mean, sure. We invited him at LA Pop Fest and he didn't rock <laughs> up. But we're going to give him another go and see if you can make this one. And uh, last but definitely not least, uh, Celia Pacola is going to come and do the show. She's not even no, doing the show at the comedy absolutely festival. absolutely not. But no, she's always brilliant on the not. podcast. So three amazing guests as well as John Deeks. And, uh, there well, will be we'll more, wait and see. I, I, I haven't, confirmed your, I haven't come, confirmed your picks. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie has enjoyed picks. each of those picks. And loves, I might just filibuster. The until, show is uh, on at 10.45 p.m., I believe, on April the 15th uh, because I have a show earlier. Um, and uh, of course, it will star Celia Bacola, uh, who. What's the thing you like about Celia the most, Charlie? Again, you, you were telling me um, fair. Uh, was yeah. I? Yeah, you love her. Remember, Ro- you love Ro- Celia Bacola. Rosehaven. Yep. Oh yeah, 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 I love her. And I love you love her. Uh, Nick Cody. What are you loving about Nick Cody? I love that he's got two first names. And uh, last but not least, Daniel Sloss. You love him because, of course, why? Uh, because it rhymes with the boss and I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Okay, so that all makes sense. So better get tickets to that because there'll be quality riffing and, and improvisation much like that you just heard. Uh, my tour is on sale all around the country. I'm currently in Melbourne. It is selling out fast. Then I am at the Sydney Opera House Saturday, April the 8th. Two shows only. They're my only Sydney shows of this show, which is my favourite show that I've ever done so I'd love if you came out Justin Hamilton's doing support for those two shows and then I'm on to Wollongong Darwin Perth uh, Newcastle and a bunch of others to come still yep and if you want to support the show you can always visit our Patreon site which is patreon.com forward slash tofop we may install a Dolph level soon which will enable Will and I to stay in LA and meet Dolph Lundgren yeah um, and hopefully we'll get him we'll get him on the show that's that that's that's one of the plans right yes absolutely uh, I'd love to I mean that I mean, there's two people now we really have to get on the show at some stage. Dolph Lundgren and Russell Crowe. But I think Russell yeah. for the final episode. Prob- and probably- George Miller. There's and George three. Miller. There's three. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, George Miller. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We- yeah. And, Peter Russell- and, P- and Peter Russell Clark. Yeah, of course. And <laughs> Come and get it. Come, come and get, get it. it. <laughs> and come and get it. Come and get it. The drag artist named after Peter Russell Clark's catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>